welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Ron. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Rob. And this is our review of Blood Fist, starring Don the Dragon Wilson, Jose Maria Avalana, Rob Kamen, Billy Blanks, Michael Shaner, Chris Aguiar, Riley Bowman, and Marilyn Batista. Written by Cutthroat Island writer Robert King, who did a whole bunch of prestige TV like The Good Wife and The Good Fight, in addition to a whole lot of martial arts movies in the 80s and early 90s, and directed by Terrence H. Winkless, who did a whole lot of Power Rangers and Common Rider and Beetleborgs and that kind of stuff. Released in 1989 on a budget of $1 million, it grossed $6 million at the box office and spawned a whole series of kickboxing movies. In case you didn't notice, we have a special guest with us tonight in the form of Rob Antiguera, longtime friend of the show, formerly of the Action Junkies podcast, and now from a couple of different podcasts, Chainsaws and Claws, and the one that's most important to our discussion tonight, his podcast, You Could Have Been a Bloodfist Movie. So, Rob, we'll start with you. Why Bloodfist? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start at the very beginning. Uh, my parents were big uh, martial arts aficionados. Uh, my father always uh, tells me stories, which I love to hear about the going to 42nd Street to watch all the, the, the Kung Fu double and triple features. Um, and obviously that's, that's what they instilled on me is that they love, you know, martial arts films. And, um, I remember being five and, uh, he rented a movie from the video store and I remember, I recall him watching it. It was one particular scene with two guys fighting on the roof and one kicks the other in the mouth and a huge chunk of blood comes spurting out. And I was like, Oh, and he was like, yeah, you shouldn't be watching this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but. <laughs> Like, like, Poppy, let me watch RoboCop. We're fine here. Um, uh, years later, you know, as I've grown, you know, into to, to my own uh, obsession with martial arts movies and going through, like, typical Bandam movies and Steven Seagal and Jeff Speakman and all that stuff, and I decided to go through the filmography of Don the Dragon Wilson, the greatest kickboxer of all time. And, um, you know... Don was very prolific in the 90s. I uh, made a ton of movies. Ton, like there, there was one period where he released five or six movies in 13 months. Um, like he was just like people will come to the video store like every week. Then like this is what like video chains would tell him. Like people will come every week, like, do you have another Don Dragon Wilson movie? Like, is there a new one out? You know what I'm saying? Because he made so many. And um as I was going through them, I came across uh, the original Blood Fist. And as I was watching it, there goes the scene with him and baby Davis fighting on the roof. And he kicks him in the mouth and a huge chunk of blood comes flying out. And I'm like, there it is. There, there's the movie that the, there's the scene that has lived rent free in my head for years. And ever since then, I've been a Blood Fist fanatic. You know what I'm saying? Ever since then, uh I I uh pledged my allegiance to the Bloodfish franchise. Um quite simply the quintessential 90s action franchise. Uh simply because it is 
every single plot of action film in in, in this one, contained in this one franchise. If you want a tournament fighter, Blood Fist got you. You want a diehard ripoff, Blood Fist got you. You want a, a dirty prison action flick, Blood Fist got you. You want secret spy stuff, fugitive, Blood Fist got you. And that's why I love the Blood Fist franchise. Well, that's awesome. That's you really do a good job of selling Blood Fist to me. Not that I really needed it sold to me, because like you, I grew up a family who went to the video store every Friday. We were those people who were asking, "Hey, do you got the new Don the Dragon Wilson movie in?" Um, every Friday, if there was blood fist fight, a guy holding a gun, a guy with a shirt off kicking. If that was on the cover of a VHS tape, it ended up getting rented and watched at the family gathering because nothing says good, wholesome entertainment like, you know, Billy Blanks kicking someone in the throat. Uh, so, yeah, I also have a good uh, background with uh, Don the Dragon Wilson movies, and I am also a big fan. Uh, Lindsay, do you have any uh, past dealings with Don the Dragon Wilson? I don't. <laughs> I'm the noob, and I wish I had... All of those stories, um, I I did uh, use a lot of those Thai bow tapes, though, so I'm very familiar with Billy Blanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my introduction to him. Uh, it looks like the dragon is, you know, has been, is still cranking out those films up through 2022. I just pulled up his his repertoire that's crazy um yeah we were at the movie store a lot but we did not have the um the don don the dragon series of anything i guess in in our tiny little small town movie movie store um so yeah this is my first one but i will agree agree with rob wholeheartedly every scene in that movie i was like wait that looks like Rocky. That's very Karate Kid esque. This every single, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every single seventies, eighties, early nineties movies, uh, action films that I loved as a kid all wrapped into one in one spot. The part of that is I'm just going to put it down to the genius of Roger Corman because mm-hmm. when I when I fired this up, it's been a long time since I've watched Blood Fist. But when I fired this up and I saw that Concord logo flash across the screen, I was like, "Uh oh, it's Roger Corman. We're in for a good time. (laughs) It's not exactly a sign of quality, but it is a sign of it's going to be as good as he can make it for (laughs) no money. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the the, the budget being one million. And um, I kind of doubt that this does not look like a one million dollar movie. I, I would guess it was made for less than half that. Um, uh, but it, it did it did make a killing, though. The, the, that is the truth. Um, it was released in only 100 or something theaters at the time of its release, and it played for, like, months, you know, where we accumulated its, uh, its gross. It, it was, like, one of his most successful series of movies, which is why uh, they made so many Bluffist movies, like, it, like here, here's the thing a lot of them weren't even made as blood fist movies like they were just made as their own thing like blood fist 3 force of fight was originally shot as force of fight which is why he's a different character in it and corman was just like let's just make this a blood fist movie and and the next one like yeah just just, just throw blood fist 4 on it go blood fist 5 on that one <laughs> 
and don't blow up a six on that one. And, and that's how it is. It's like, and, and, and it's, it's, that's what makes this series so fascinating. It's like you have the same actor uh, in, the, in the lead role in all eight movies, and he's playing a different character. This really, he's playing a different character in the second one as well, even though he has the same name. Uh, he's Jake Ray, but he's almost like completely different Jake Ray. Uh, where like he even fights his brother in the beginning of the movie, who gets killed in the the beginning of this movie. And, like he fights his brother, and like and it's like this is a completely alternate. Like it's a multiverse. The Blood Fist multiverse is, is what we got going on here. So it's like that's the, that's one of the things I always found fascinating about the series. And it's just like it's just the genius of Roger Corman. It's just like he's like an innovator when it comes to just being cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a whole um, he's got a whole theory of. He he he's done the math and he realizes that uh, there's a certain place where the declining box office receipts meet the rising cost of the movie. And when it hits that point, or when he, it's projected to hit that point, is when he stops making the movies. But yeah. like you said, the Blood Fist is a very marketable title. It's it's immediately eye catching. You know what you're in for if you see Blood Fist. Yeah, you know it's not going to catch you by surprise. It's kind of like. Um, as Jay talked about uh, during his many, many Hellraiser movies that he watched, because Jay did all the entire Hellraiser series. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's awful. That poor guy. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the things they did was they would just have these little no-budget horror movies and like, oh, slap Hellraiser on it, get Doug Bradley in the makeup, and and we'll it'll make, you know, 500 extra thousand dollars, and that'll be plenty enough to make a profit. So, um, mm-hmm. The uh, the 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 ways of Roger Corman continue on to this very day. I'm sure um, it's hard. I mean, if only because he's still out there and he's still producing movies, and he's got to be 90 years old at this point. But yeah, but yeah, this was part of the big uh, kick punching craze of the 80s and 90s, where just you could you threw a rock at the video store and you hit five martial arts movies before mm-hmm. the rock landed. It was a good time to be a child. Yeah, a glo- a glorious time, a, a, a glorious time for me who just love everything martial arts. Uh, you know, like you said, Ron, the guy doing a martial arts pose with his shirt off and he's all oiled up on the cover. It's like, yeah, that's a good time right there. I'm renting that. Give it to me. Give it to me now. <laughs> Bonus points if he's kicking with one leg but holding like a machine gun with his other hand. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Totally. This, I think, is one of the better, like, martial arts movies of the time, especially just for basically being blood sport, but with real fighters. Yeah, I, that that that's something I wanted to point out with this, like, where it's like blood sport, and I love blood sport. It's uh, the first action movie I was ever shown. Pop took me to the theater because he wanted, to, you know, he loved martial arts movies, and he saw this new movie uh coming out and he wanted to see it so he took me and uh i i vaguely remember that screen like like not the whole thing but i, I remember images from that screening of blood sport um so like i i i love blood sport to to to, to death you know what i'm saying and like one of the reasons why i love it is like it basically revitalized the martial arts genre in america because it was all but dead by that point in the 80s Nobody was doing martial arts movies like that anymore. Like, 
the 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 one guy who was basically the martial arts star was Chuck Norris, and he wasn't even doing straight ahead martial arts movies by that point anymore. He like he was uh, competing with the likes of Schwarzenegger and Stallone, and that was the time of Rambo and Commando, like you know, uh, shredded, uh, oiled up beef monsters shooting giant machine guns and thousands of bullets. You know, so it's like it was it was like nobody was making like pure martial arts movies anymore, and then Bloodsport came out. And it basically just brought those movies back where it's like, you could, you know, and then after that, you could just, producers were going to like every dojo across America looking for a beefy guy who was good looking. Like, hey, you want to be in a movie? And so like, yeah, sure, sure. And like some of them became legit like stars on the director video market. But what was, what's great about Bloodfist is that Corman actually saw like, not just martial artists, but like real fighters. You know, uh, like, you know, not just on Dragon Wilson, but you also got Billy Blanks in there, Rob, Com- Rob Common in there. And, you know, Don Dragon Wilson, like, I meant it when I said, like, he is, in my opinion, the greatest kickboxer of all time. He's an 11-time world champion. Uh, he, he was in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most belts won in, in, in kickboxing, you know, like, and, and not only that, he he's a guy who, because when Fighters become like like get into movies, become movie stars. They stop fighting, you know. Like uh, I got the movie career going on now. I don't need to keep fighting. Don kept fighting, like <laughs> you know, as he continued to act like less frequently, but he continued to fight and continued to win. <laughs> so you know, it, it's like that's why I always call, refer to Don as the most legit uh, action star. Because I like to point out that he could kick the ass of your favorite action star. I don't care who it is. Who's your favorite? Don Dragon Wilson would smoke his boots. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to fighting. You know, I got into trouble a little bit because, like, somebody had posted on Facebook, who would win in a fight between Don Dragon Wilson and Don Yen? And everybody was saying Don Yen. Like, oh, Ip Man. Of course, Ip Man. Did you see him in Ip Man? And I was like, Don Dragon Wilson? No, no question. And it was like, what? How dare you? blasphemous thing to say and it's like well you know let's let's be logical you know don yen obviously a fantastic martial artist but you're watching movie shit you know this is all movie scripted editing and all that stuff you know of course he's gonna look proficient in beating 10 guys at once but that's not realistic and you know we've never seen don yen fight in real life so we're just going well you're you're basing your your like who the victor would be and his fight off movie ship. We've seen Don the Dragon Wilson act, not only actually fight, but actually win a lot. So I'm just being logical in the situation when it's like, if you put both men in their prime in the ring, I'm going with Don the Dragon Wilson because, you know, I've seen the man actually fight and whip ass a whole lot of times. So it's like, you can't fault me for that, for being logical. You know what I'm saying? That's part of my controversial opinion on Bruce Lee. Um, mm-hmm. everybody holds up Bruce as the toughest guy in the world. And I'm not going to discredit Bruce Lee. He would beat the crap out of me. But like, if you put him across the ring from Gene LaBelle, you know, who's going to get, who's going to, you know, if Gene can get him to the ground, it's over immediately. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm not going to, and that's no slight on Bruce Lee, but Gene LaBelle is like one of the godfathers of MMA, even before Bruce was doing MMA. Right. And, you know, him and all the guys from the, the Wagon Snake Pit and uh, 
Billy Robinson, all those kind of old timey catch wrestler guys are just tough as nails. Yeah. Cause they were, you know, they were doing boxing matches for fun. And then they were going back and like learning new ways to break wrists and choke each other with it. Lindsay, do you have anything you'd like to say about uh, Donnie Yen versus Don the Dragon Wilson? <laughs> Man, I wish. I'm taking it all in. I'm a little out of my depth here with you two, I think. <laughs> do you want to say something controversial about Bruce Lee so I don't have to hear it from people online? Do I want to <laughs> say something controversial about Bruce Lee? Um I don't know. I don't know what would be controversial about Bruce Lee. Well, you can say, uh, yeah. as Let far me... as martial artists go, he's the best flamenco dancer of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, I bet he is. His uh, big claim to uh, his championship fame was he was the was a flamenco dancing champion of Hong Kong. Something like that. Which really? Is, which in and of itself is really impressive. Huh. Who knew? I mean, the guy can move. We know that. And he does really well with choreography. So it's not a huge stretch. Who do you you think would be the better dancer, Bruce Lee or or Van Damme? Van Damme. (laughs) Yeah. Because I got, look, I like a giant oiled up beef monster. (laughs) I am not trying to come out here and be something that I'm not. And I like the giant oiled up beef monsters, as Rob put it. They're my yeah. favorite guys in the WWE. They're my favorite guys on screen. Give me a big oily man any day. And, big meaty men slapping meat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and plus, if you saw his big dancing and kickboxing, you know he was the better dancer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> or that footage of him like coked out of his mind dancing on stage at Eurovision or something <laughs> there's some famous footage of him just he's just completely he's not home like it's the coke <laughs> the cocaine's in charge and he'll he'll freely admit that for a vast period of the 90s the cocaine was in charge oh yeah that uh especially on the set of Street Fighter the movie um, I, I don't. I don't think he even remembers making that. He was so coked out of his mind. I went to see that in the theaters. That was. Oh, you saw that in the theaters? I did. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God bless I you. I sure did. <laughs> we had a three theater movie theater in my hometown, and they only showed you know three movies at a time, and that was one of them. So I went to see it. Nice. Yep. You know, I actually might have saw that in the movie theater too. Come to think of it, I think I blocked that out. <laughs> All I remember is is being very into Kylie Minogue in that movie. Who was it? I was like, yeah. All right, but so that but was sort of so, yeah. Speaking of um, big, big, big oily <laughs> beef monsters, that'll set me up nicely for the plot. All right. So, do you know the movie Bloodsport? What if we just do that again, but with actual fighters instead of a dancer who likes showing off his ass and cock-punching people to death? In a grimy human cockfight, Michael Michael Ray bests his opponent, killing him in the ring. Drunk and wandering through the streets of the Philippines after the battle, he's jumped and stomped to death by a mysterious man who leaves behind only a scrap of red karate gi. Remember the very pointy fence you see in the alley. It comes back at the end. 
Cut to sunny Los Angeles, where Don the Dragon Wilson gets interrupted from being cute with a bunch of 80s moppets to hear about his brother's death. He immediately leaves his self-defense dojo school run by him and his friend Hal, who looks like um, a roadie, and flies to the Philippines to identify the pictures of his dead brother's cremated body. He scatters his brother's ashes and vows to get revenge on the man who killed him. He meets a mysterious Asian mentor named Kwong and befriends a fun-loving partier named Baby Davis, who drunkenly gets Jake to help him fake a bar fight in order to make off with the proceeds of a poker game. The two become fast friends because who wouldn't be friends after a scheme like that? Much to the chagrin of Baby's blonde stripper sister, Nancy. Baby's a fighter in the Red Fist Tournament, and Kwong might be the only person who can help Jake unleash his inner champion and fight his way into the tournament to avenge his brother. Red Fist fighters are the only fighters who wear those sorts of red karate geese, and there's no doubt to Kwong that whoever killed Jake's brother killed him because of his fighting in the Red Fist Tournament. There's only one other clue he gets aside from that red polyester key. The killer was called a snake. Hmm. Think about that for a second. <laughs> Let's cut to some training montages, shall we? After all, you can't have a martial arts movie without a montage. So we get Don the Dragon Wilson running up hills. Don the Dragon Wilson kicking glass bottles. Don the Dragon Wilson getting stuff thrown at him by local kids. Kwong painting and peeling mangoes. Baby being drunk a lot. As it turns out, Don the Dragon Wilson isn't the only guy who gets a training montage. Fierce kickboxer Cayman gets one. Billy Blanks gets one where he breaks enough bricks to build a shoe storage palace for Imelda Marcos. And most importantly, Chin Wu gets one. He's the big bad guy because he's the beefiest Asian outside of the guy from actual Bloodsport. Bolo. Yeah, Bolo. I remember Bolo's name, but you know, I was trying not to bring up too many parallels to that movie, but this is what we're going to get. Anyway, Chin Wu's training montage, he basically tries to kill his training partner because as Kwong says, Chin Wu is mad at the world and wants to kick punch everyone to death for reasons. They're all fighting in the tournament, but only one man can walk out the winner. Four fights, four days, no rules. Everything is going well. Jake beats Billy Blanks in the semifinals, and then Baby gets the fight of his life, the last fight of his life, against Chin Wu. If you don't know where this is going, you've never seen a martial arts movie, or an action cop movie, or any kind of movie where a guy is basically two days from retirement. That's where Baby is going into this fight. He just doesn't know it. Chin Wu and Baby throw down. And Chin Wu beats Baby so bad he has to go to the hospital. But unlike the big goon friend in Bloodsport, Baby doesn't make it out. Baby dies. His brother, dead. His best friend, dead. There's only one thing left to do. Beat Chin Wu and win the tournament. Except for one small problem. Hal, who's apparently running from the IRS, shows up in the Philippines and recognizes Kwong as a longtime fight fixer from Mesita, California, who was involved in fixing fights with his brother. Kwong is better known in the underground murder fight community as the Snake. Uh-oh. Just when you thought it was safe to beat your opponent Chin Wu to death, you now have to beat your mentor to death, too. In a great final fight that takes place in a very weird, rainy liminal space, Jake and Kwong battle it out until they somehow make it to the very same place where Jake's brother was killed. In the resulting battle, Kwong ends up getting impaled on Chekhov's fence posts. A bloody, shirtless, shoeless Jake reunites with Nancy, 
and the two walk off into the steamy jungle night as credits roll. All right, everybody. So this is basically just knockoff Bloodsport, but I think personally it's kind of better or at least more brutal. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, would, would you like to go first, Lindsay? Or... <laughs> I, uh, at this juncture, think it's 100% better than Bloodsport. Having never seen Bloodsport, <laughs> wow. y'all okay. can't see Rob, but he is laughing so hard right now. <laughs> well, so we my, can put that on the list. Yeah. So my current experience uh, tells me that this is better, but I'm interested to hear uh, what you both what you both think. Um. Uh, I, I cannot go against Blood Fist. It is the brand, so of course I'm going to say it's better. Um, it, it's just, you know, that, that would be tacky of me. To, oh, no, Bloodsport is better. Like, you know, it's like, no, no. I I am the Blood Fist guy. I am the Dawn of the Dragon Wilson guy. Uh, and <laughs> Blood Fist <laughs> and Dawn of the Dragon Wilson, well, Dawn of the Dragon Wilson is just better. I mean, physically, let's, let's just be real. Uh, I, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme, but uh, he is getting his ass handed to him in a handbasket. Uh, I mean, Don Dragon Wilson actually really wanted to fight him, but uh, Van Damme wisely said, uh, "Nah, buddy, let's 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 not do that." Because <laughs> he was smart. He's a smart guy. He knows <laughs> it would not end well for him. But um, no, go ahead, Ron. I was just going to say, how do you guys feel about? not using actors and just using like actual fighters i'm all for it i'm all for it um i miss those days i, I miss those days where like producers just went to a to a, like a dojo or gym and it was like hey you look like you fight good you want to be in a movie sure you know and you know guys would get like a, a whole career out of that uh like don drag that happened to don drag wilson that happened to Gary Daniels. Um, like, like, yes. Um, like, 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 like many, many great, uh, stars of, uh, the, the action genre in the nineties. Uh, that's how they were discovered. That's essentially how, uh, the dragon was discovered. Uh, Corman was just like, he saw how much money Bloodsport made. And of course, Corman's mind said, I have an idea. So he was just looking around, was like, hey, who's the best? Like, who, who who's the best? And everybody was like, Don Dragon Wilson's the best. So he left a message on, on Don's answering machine, like, hey, like, are you the kickboxing champion? Hey, like, if you are, why don't you come by, swing by the, the, my office? Uh, I might have a movie for you. And Don Dragon Wilson was like, fuck out of here. Like you know, saying like, who's who's kidding me? Like who who's pulling my leg over here? And then oh no, he that's really Roger Corman. He wants to be in movies. So he's like, all right, sure. And then you know, man went on to the, like have one of the most prolific careers ever uh, in action films. Like he he basically ran the nineties, which was appreciated by me. You know, what I'm saying because uh, coming from a household with two hardworking parents, you know, we couldn't always make it to the theater. So it was always like, you know, 
like if I wanted an action movie fix, it was either the video store or whatever came on action pay-per-view. And, you know, because Don was so prolific, you know, Don was the guy at the time, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so many nights, you know, watching like uh, HBO world premieres of uh, Red Sun Rising starring Don the Dragon and Musinor, or Black Belt or uh, Cyber Tracker 1 and 2 or, or Ring of Fire 3. Um, not for nothing, too. Uh, my, my grandmother, uh, may God rest her soul, uh, was also a Don the Dragon Wilson fan because in her VHS collection, she had two Don the Dragon Wilson movies. She had Ring of Fire and Future Kick. Uh, and when she, yeah, and when she passed away, I inherited that VHS collection. So now I am, uh, the owner of those movies, you know, saying which helped me get my Don the Dragon Wilson fix. So like, you know, it all came full circle, you know. So like I, I that's that's why I'm so appreciative like of, of guys like that, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like like they weren't the best actors. Let's let's, let's be clear. They weren't actors at all. What what I love about Don is that Don has a natural charisma to him. Like he just like you can't like you see him on screen and you just can't help but like the guy. He just has like a boyish charm to him that 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 that's just like gets you through you know, where it's like like you, you may see like you know uh, other people, you know, and it's like Don is just like, you know, he, he's in there with a wink and a smile. You know what I'm saying? He melts your heart, and, and I love that. That's why I always appreciate it about Don. You know what I mean? Like, so like I always appreciated that era where they just like you know they just got a real martial artist, and in, in this case, a real fighter to star in the movies, and then it's like. Like we were to, to, just talking about Street Fighter, and like that was the time when the studios were trying to like get those guys out because it's like, oh, we're gonna hire actors and just train them to fight, and it kind of backfired on them. You know what I'm saying? Because unfortunately, uh, with the the Raul Julia situation, like they they you know it, it that that was a troubled production, so it's like they couldn't train them the way they wanted to. So it's like that's why all the fight scenes are shit in that movie. Um, but then, like, you know, you get to the Matrix where they made Keanu Reeves look like Jet Li, and then that was it for for that era of movies, where it's like, oh, we could just train these guys to look like the best fighters in the world. Let's do that. So that's why you got uh, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne in the Bourne movies, you know, and, like, the, the real fighters got, like, thrown by the wayside and just basically became stuntmen, and it's like, I miss those days. I miss those days where it's just like, yeah, he can't act, but he could kick better then uh, you know, what I'm saying it's like, like you watch Extraction, and I and I, I love Chris Hemsworth, and I think he's great in the movie. But it's like sometimes I'm looking at him fight, and it's like you look like you're punching the slow motion, bro. Um, <laughs> like like give me the days of Don Dragon Wilson, where it's just like like yeah, like he may not be the greatest actor in the world, but like everything looks completely authentic in his punches and kicks and in the fight scenes because that's what I'm really here for, right? That's what we're all here for, right? We're here to watch him punch and kick so many bad guys. You know, like, that's that's why I tune in. And that's what I want to see. And it's just, I, I miss that era so much. Just, like, just just give me the, the, the guys who actually know what they're doing in the fight scenes. It's, it's funny because Rob doesn't have access to my show notes. But one of the things I wrote down immediately at the very top of the uh, the part where we actually go through the discussion is the natural appeal of Don the Dragon Wilson and his place in the pantheon of straight-to-video action stars. 
And we've already kind of discussed his place in the Pantheon. We both feel like he's definitely on the top of that list. But you're right. He is just a naturally charming, kind of likable dude. And the movie leans on that almost immediately by having surrounding him with a bunch of mop-headed 80s children. Um, Lindsay, you look like you've got thoughts. I do have thoughts. He He is naturally charming. He's really got a lot of natural charisma on screen and for someone who's not an actor that's rare to find and just to circle back I feel like it I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not but it is easier to teach a fighter to act than it is to teach an actor to fight because these fighters or martial artists, or MMA fighters, or WWE stars, which is kind of a little of both. But you you have been working on this craft your entire life, and your muscles have muscle memory that someone cannot pick up in six months of even the most intense training. So if we're looking at a kickboxing movie, or a fighting movie, or a martial art movie, that's what people want to see. They want to see these fight scenes and blood fist is great. It goes heavy on the fight scenes and the, you know, they're, they're really, for the most part, I would say they're fun. They're well done. They're fast paced, but you can tell that the people in each fight scene has actually been fighting before and you're right rob i think you said when you were watching i don't remember the actor you mentioned but it looks like he's punching in slow motion and chris hemsworth yeah 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 yeah. and that's that's what happens when you teach someone who's never never trained like that before they just they just don't have that in their muscle memory but for 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 don the dragon he had both he had everything in his muscle memory and he just seemed to find being on camera very easy yeah and that's not an easy thing for some people to do there are lots and lots of gifted martial artists out there but not all of them are going to be able to translate to camera like he does and i feel but i feel like part of the reason he's able to do that is because he's already like a a 10 time or 11 time uh, world kickboxing champion by this point he's been on tv a lot he's done a lot of interviews he's done press like he's naturally going to be i think a little bit better on camera because this is not his first rodeo this is just his first rodeo where someone's telling him what to say right. um, but yeah one of the things i noticed immediately about um even in the the earliest fights of this movie is just how fast he is how fast his hands move and how good the the actual fighters him uh the guy who plays Cayman whose name escapes me Billy Blanks all those guys how good those dudes are when it comes to their actual like screen fighting like you can teach an actor to look like they're throwing a good punch you can teach an actor or a dancer or somebody like that to kick but like I feel like there's a, a degree of authenticity and a degree of that muscle memory that that was talked about that speed that was talked about that you just can't replicate. And I feel that is the thing that makes this movie really work. Like for me is that 
these dudes who do this for a living and are doing this movie for fun are wanting to go and put on do the best things that they can do show out for the camera and let people know hey this is why you know i've got more kickboxing championships or karate championships or whatever championships this is why i've got three four five six ten twelve thirteen of these belts there's a reason why i'm one of the best fighters in the world and now i'm not going to kick this other guy to death but i will show you just how fast i can kick how high i can kick i can show you my best you know spinning roundhouse kicks i can show you how fast my fists are and i can show you things like they shift stances they go from southpaw to regular you see a lot of good foot movement you see a lot of knowledge of spacing you see good circling and it's not, and it doesn't feel so much like choreography to me as it does just like, this is what I do. Let me set the camera up. Let me do the thing I do. And you just record it. Right. And, and, and they have to be commended, like, especially Dawn, because like training for like movie fighting is a lot different than training for uh, real fighting because it's just like it's the opposite. You know, when you really fight, you have to train to be as quick and swift as possible. You know, because you 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 know, it's it's all about not letting the the other your your opponent, you know, see your next move. You know, you have to be in and out. You know, you have to be quick and direct. You know what I'm saying? It's like in, in movies, it's, it's it's the opposite because you know you you have to telegraph your movements. You you know you have to make them show on screen. You know what I'm saying? Because like you know. There's there's a reason why like uh, Jet Li had issues with like when he transitioned to American films because it was like he moved so fast his movements were blurring, you know it was it was just he was just too fast so it's like you have to slow down. Wesley Snipes had the same problem, you know, and Don is was able like you know to to to, to make it look authentic and and. Swift, you know what I'm saying, not lose any of that, you know. So, so like, there has to be, I like, I, I love to give him all the credit in the world for that, you know, because that, that, that's really hard to do, especially when you're a real fighter, because you basically have to kind of unlearn everything that you, you talked about real fighting, because it's like you have to slow down. And it's like you, you trained all your life to be as quick as possible. And now, like, you know, you're doing movies and like, you got to slow down, buddy. You got to slow down, but like he, he he did it beautifully. You know what I'm saying, and that, that's why he had a long and storied career in films. You know, and it's, it's, I, 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 I that's why I appreciate the guy so much. That's why I, I created a podcast, created a site just to celebrate Don the Dragon Wilson because he deserves it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, talking to my friend uh, Andy Gorham, and like we were talking about that. Like, yeah, we need to do something about Don. Like, yeah. I love to do something with Don because Don deserves all his flowers. You know, we, you know, we celebrate all these other action guys, you know, Van Damme and, and Dolph and all that stuff, and they deserve it. But Don deserves it as well. You know what I'm saying? Because like, like I, I told you before, Don held me down when I couldn't get to the theater. You know, I, I couldn't see the new Van Damme movie or the new Dolph movie. Um, but Don was there when, when I needed that action fix. And it's like, I I I, I want to give the flowers to the guy who, like you know, 
kept me entertained, uh, you know, throughout that time. Where it's just like I'm alone in the house and all that stuff, and it's like I want to see new martial arts movie. Who, who's there? Don the Dragon Wilson is there, and you know what I'm saying. And he, he keeps me entertained, you know. And it's like a good thing about Don too is that his his movies are basically like perfect adaptations for video games that don't exist. Like, like I, I've said this many times that uh, his uh, Ring of Fire 2 is is a better Double Dragon movie than the actual Double Dragon movie. Um, and it's like, it, it's like perfect video game logic every one of his movies. You know what I'm saying? It's like something happens and he has to beat up all these bad guys to get to the final boss. You know, and it's like as, as someone who grew up playing Kung Fu and Double Dragon and Vigilante and, and all these like you know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and it's like, it, it, I, I gravitated to that shit wholeheartedly, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that, that that's why Don will always be my guy. And that's why, like, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with being known on the internet as the Don the Dragon Wilson guy. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I remember actually staying home on... I want to say it's a Friday night or a Saturday night that I should have gone out and had some fun because they were going to premiere uh, Don the Dragon Wilson in Fist of the North Star on Showtime. Because uh, he did a he was in a Fist of the North Star adaptation. No, no, that was no, that was Gary Daniels. That was Gary Fist Daniels. Of, I'm yeah. dumb. But, no, it's all right. No, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> Gary Daniels is, is, is another one who held Young Rob down when it came to uh, you know like. What's the newest action flick? Uh, I've already seen all of Don's movies. It's like, who, who else we got? Oh, Gary Daniels is there. Like, I'll check out some of Gary Daniels stuff. And it's like, I love I love Don. I love Gary. I love Jeff Wincott, uh, Jeff Speakman, all those guys. You know, they, they, they really held the young Rob down when he needed his action fix. One thing I definitely remember doing is, is watching the Sci-Fi Channel premiere of... It was a version of... Um, uh, you know, the version of the Omega Man, the last man on Earth, that that old story, the Vincent Price one, um, I Am Legend, but it was with Mark DeCoscos. Oh, yeah, like I Am Omega. I Am Omega, yeah, and I definitely stayed home to watch that one, too. But uh, so one of the things about uh, especially this 80s boom of action movies is that it all happens in the Philippines. It's like <laughs> the entire country was just cr- swarming with ninjas and kickboxers and underground karate tournaments and just very people various people like kung fu murdering each other in the streets <laughs> um how do you feel like do you feel like i know that's not an accurate representation of the philippines if anything a more accurate representation of the philippines would be they would all be playing basketball with each other but um because <laughs> the philippines is basketball crazy and every filipino i've ever known is like the biggest nba fan um mm. But how do you guys feel about the Philippines as a setting? I have no problem with it. Um, Philippines is a great place, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, the stuntmen they had in there, like, really gave their all in there. Like, uh, you watch, like, movies like this or, like, movies like uh, Born to Fight with Brent Huff, where he, uh, which I like to call Brent Huff Kills the Philippines, where he, he had, like, <laughs> like a 300 uh, body count in there. And like all those Filipino stuntmen just like 
carelessly throwing themselves into like a fireball, like off a roof and all that stuff, or uh, like like uh, like Born to Fight or Strike Commando Two, like all those those Filipino stuntmen just like just launching themselves into the air and like falling in huts and all that stuff and like you know jumping through fire and all that stuff and it's like like a lot of a lot of, a lot of producers was like oh yeah let's let's just go to the philippines those guys that do anything you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when it comes to these action scenes it's all good you know what I'm saying and we can save some money you know what I'm saying <laughs> that was my next question is was it a money saver to film in the philippines versus oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. most definitely I mean, by this point, they'd been making movies in the Philippines for a good 15 to 20 years. I mean, uh, uh, there was a, a director from Louisville named William Girdler who did a lot of black exploitation movies. And he shot a lot of movies in the Philippines with by flying Americans over to the Philippines because it was so much cheaper. And I assume that there were lots of um, if you gave a kickback to the right people, you'd get some tax breaks on your movie. That yeah. kind of deal. But yeah, I really like the Philippines as a setting because it's 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 novel, um, at least to to me as an American, um, because it's not Asian, but it's also Asian, if that makes sense. Like it's a it's just a an interesting amalgamation of like cultures and and building styles. And you actually see like quite a bit of more of like the philippines than you in this movie than you do generally um so i I gotta dig it um but one of the things that is interesting about this movie is jake basically runs into kwong like immediately Mm -hmm. um if you arrived in a foreign country and there was just some dude who looks like he was been waiting for your arrival would you not be immediately suspicious yeah yeah uh Jake is not the smartest guy in the world because Kwong is obviously a villain. Like, I mean, that that whole sequence where uh, uh, Jake's brother gets killed in the alleyway, it's like, it's, it's, it's fucking obvious from the beginning who it is. It's like, you know, like, like throughout the movie, it's like, Jake, this is the bad guy, bro. Like, like you're in the presence of the bad guy. Let's, you know, just 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 open your eyes, man. Like, you know, what I'm saying this is the guy who's pulling the strings, and Jake is just like, ah, like he's gonna help me find kill my brother. He's the one who killed your brother. Come on. Like, <laughs> There's even one point in the movie though where Jake says to him, "It benefits you to not tell me who my brother's killer is right now." And it's like, yeah, it does. It benefits him a lot for you to not know. Right. And he keeps associating with him even after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it ties back to one of the things Kwong was talking about is passion. Kwong makes a point, passion. At no point does Kwong make a point of saying, you also are thinking this through. No, he's playing entirely on the passion, the anger, the, the big emotions that Jake is feeling about his his brother's death and getting revenge and all that stuff. So I feel like I feel like this is not the first person Kwong has like set up on a revenge trip. Yeah. I feel like that's that's you know that's Kwong's that's his MO. Jam. Yeah. Yeah. He's like one of those taxi drivers who like gets money from a to take you to a specific bar or a specific club when you, you get in the back of the cab and you're like, hey man, take me to I don't know, what do you think's a cool spot? 
ah, I got a cool spot for you. And you go, and the next thing you know, you're getting robbed. Is one of those kind of deals. I feel like that's Kwong's MO, and I feel like there's just like a whole graveyard somewhere of like people Kwong has betrayed and gotten killed and or poisoned with uh, mangoes. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, that thing that happens with the mango later in the movie makes me wonder about the beginning of this movie where we see the brother just kind of wandering around dr- look, looking drunk. Do you think he was drugged? Pretty much. And he just like fought through the drugging to to win his fight. But, you know, when you pour booze on top of mystery syringe mango, it, it probably doesn't go well. Pretty much. <laughs> but one of the other people that we meet aside from Kwong pretty much right away is Baby. Did how do you guys feel about Baby? I love Baby. I do too. <laughs> like, like just eat. no go ahead Lindsay. oh i love their their meeting scene when they're in this fight and baby is just giving him like wwe style instructions and that's what it felt like to me it was just like i was watching you know two beef guys <laughs> yeah two big oiled up beef monsters <laughs> Inside the ring on a, you know, on a, on a Monday SmackDown or whatever day that is now. Um, and he's just like, throw me into the table. I'll split the winnings, do this, do that. And I was like, this is great. This is fun. And then he was just such a great comic relief throughout, throughout the rest of the movie. Every time he was on screen, he was just so fun. Oh yeah. I, I, I love his like, just like, how they, they're, they're instant best friends after that. They're like the, just the best buddies. One of the things I find funny is that um, the, the whole point of the sister uh, was like, you know, Jake and Nancy obviously got a thing going on. And like they're, they're, they're training, which leads to that, you know, that, uh, well, for me, iconic roof fight scene. Where Kwong like wants them to really fight and they're just you know messing around and all that stuff. So it's like he he tells Baby that the uh, oh Jake is not willing to fight. Uh, he said your sister wore him out fucking all afternoon, <laughs> and, and like you know Baby's mad. You know what I'm saying it's like like and, and he starts really fighting Jake, but then like he he walks in later on them actually fucking and he has no problem with it. Like oh. I'm not even here. And it's like, but you were just mad at the, at the, the idea that they were fucking earlier, but now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no problem. You, you guys continue. I'm just going to go to the roof and, and have uh, have my own fucking session, you know, with this girl <laughs> who's, who's who's been following me around the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, Baby uh, baby really works for me as a good sidekick. He's He's comic relief, but he doesn't like over, he doesn't push too hard for it. Right, and what's funny is I was like, "Why does that guy look so familiar?" The actor, mm-hmm. his name is Michael Shaner. Yeah, he's the guy on the roof at Lethal Weapon. Yeah, where they have to, he has to talk him on the roof, and they just they handcuff each other together, and they both jump off the roof. And I was like, "Why does that guy look so familiar?" And I had to look it up to figure out who he was. But yeah, I I dig Baby. I think Baby's a great sidekick. I like the I like the Baby and Nancy dynamic. And I like the Nancy and Jake dynamic. And that brings us to Nancy, who I feel like needs some discussion. 
she gets kind of the thankless, like, you know, I'm the wet blanket. I don't want you boys to fight role. Uh, mm-hmm. But she is one of the most 80s Babel Rama type babes that I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah. She, uh, um, I mean, she, she's definitely a, a Corman girl. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you have that, like, you know, moment where, uh, like, she, she, you know, like her and uh, Jake have their, like, you know, big uh, sex scene. And, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, Corman had to work them boobs in there somehow. You know, <laughs> like, we, 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 like, it, it, like did, didn't he have a guideline for, like, um, every, like, couple of minutes? Like, yeah, we, we have to have, you know, women show her boobs in there because, you know, that, you know, that that that's that's what you know the the people want to see. They want to see a woman's boobs, and it's like, <laughs> God bless you, Corman, you pig. <laughs> it was tasteful. It was tasteful sex scene boobs, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could have been a lot worse. Like Nancy, Nancy does work as a stripper, but she's not really shown like taking a lot of clothes off while she's doing her stripping. That's more the uh, un- underpaid Filipino extras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I like Nancy. I think she's kind of fun. I think she's a good foil for Quang, or, or Quang especially because she's like she she seems to see through his his stuff pretty easily. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, that that uh, that actress didn't get to do much after this. But I think with the like crimped death hair, it's like she's very much like the eighties are still alive in me kind of kind of thing. Yeah, with the Leotards when we first meet her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he's definitely got gallons of peroxide at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we mentioned <laughs> we mentioned um Angela, the, the completely silent stalker that baby has. Does she ever speak a line in this movie? Mm-mm. Can she actually do we think she can actually talk or do we think she's just a mute? Like for real, the character. She probably couldn't act or speak English, which is why, like, they 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 just gave her no lines. Um, I, she she's worth bringing up because uh, she gets unfortunately killed off late in the movie, and uh, I just want to point out that uh, that is one hundred percent Jake's fault, uh, <laughs> because like because Chin Wu. Uh, beats the ever loving shit out of baby and, and he's brain dead and then he dies and then she's very upset so she shows up to, to the match with a gun uh, trying to kill Chin Wu but Jake saves Chin Wu from getting killed which allows Chin Wu to uh, smack the shit out of her into the stands and she cracks her skull open and dies right there so it's like uh, yeah Jake that is 100% your fault you're, you're totally responsible for her death and I just think that's like it's a it's a weird moment to have where, where it's like your hero is essentially the cause of like what one of the characters' death in the movie, and it's like yeah, like you know we're sympathetic with him for him, like you know he's searching for his brother's killer throughout this whole time and all that stuff, and then it's like you basically cause this woman's death, so it's like uh do i still like you i mean yeah i still like you because you're done because you're cool but uh you definitely caused her death and um uh, 
<laughs> I wanted to point that out. It's like our hero is causing the death of one of our main characters in the movie. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't know. I have uh, split the divisive feelings on that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I finally looked up that actress and, and she was actually in um, the Bruce Lee movie, The Big Boss. So she's been, she was around a lot longer than I thought she was. And she did a lot more movies in the Philippines and otherwise than I'd assume she had. But yeah, I thought that was really a, a strange thing to have her show up and just get slapped to death, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, there seems to be a lot of slapping to death in this movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. There, there seems to be quite a lot of that. Um, but she seems to have some sort of relationship to the old man who saw the brother get killed in the very beginning, but they never really explain it. And I'm not 100% sure what the deal is there, but I, I guess it doesn't really matter because we're not here about, we're not here to talk about the plot. We're not going to let the plot get in the way of a good story, and we're not going to let the plot or the story get in the way of the great martial arts fights that take place. Like, this movie is just chock full of like one-on-one death fights that that seem to have so much like sprayed blood. It's it's just a it's just a blast. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like that that one mental image that like stayed in my head rent-free for for years afterwards was Jay kicking baby in the face and that geyser of blood just spewing out of his mouth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that that was like like that was it. Like, you know, like I've I've had many moments live in my head, you know. Uh, 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 after I seen him and it was just like that was one of them. It was just like just kick in the face. <clears throat> and then it was just like when I finally saw it, it was like, this is it. My life is complete. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I I've come full circle. Like, you know, so, like everything after this is meaningless. <laughs> the blood and the damage to the faces that happen in this movie is really good. I understand why that has lived rent free in your head for so long. <laughs> I do. Even, I mean, even when, you know, I, this being the first time I've seen it. And I'm watching it for this podcast, so I'm looking at it from a more analytical perspective than I might be otherwise. And, you know, taking notes mentally and, you know, actually on paper. And even when I took issue with something else, the the lacerations and the use of blood in this movie was always so good. Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah, and I, I like there was that in between scene where they're just mopping up the blood in between fights on the mats. I was gonna say I really like that little touch of somebody has to clean up all that blood. Yep. And of course, being Roger Corman, I'd like to think that that was just someone cleaning up the mats at the end of the day, and and he calls them said, "Oh no, go ahead and get that on film. We can use that somewhere." Yeah, guys pushing around bloody mops. Let's do it. You know, give the give the uh, janitor fifty dollars and don't show his face. <laughs> that sounds like Corman, all right. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. And I feel like they do a good job of kind of splitting the difference between 
having our real uh our real fighters and our real martial arts guys versus our our stuntman type of fighters because even even make baby look pretty good yeah yeah and, and you know baby's not the best fighter in the world but baby the character's not supposed to be the best fighter in the world either he's just supposed to be pretty good and i would say yeah. making it to the semifinals of a of a you know tournament of death type deals it makes you a pretty decent fighter um so you know like i was talking to my wife uh the nancy was complaining about uh you don't have to fight you don't have to fight look at what happened to baby he's not he wasn't good enough it's like he made it to the semifinals if he hadn't fight in chin Wu, he probably could have made it to the finals he was obviously pretty good at this yeah yeah i mean well like you you have to have a character like that because they had there was a character like that in blood sport so it's like yeah. <laughs> let's let's be realistic you know it's like Corman was like oh they well, they had that in Bloodsport we gotta have that in Bloodfist you know a character who's just like oh, no no more fighting this isn't right and it's like well we have to fight because we're men <laughs> and we love blood you know and we love to punch each other and that's why this matters and, and oh okay yeah, and <laughs> that's why that works <laughs> it's called Bloodfist not Love Fist. <laughs> exact mundo uh, and then he had the bloody fist at the end of that one fight which and that's like when someone really says nice. the title of the movie yeah it was his version of saying the title of the movie when everyone watching goes ah it's the title of the movie he's got the blood fist now roll credits <laughs> but they, wait, they, there's they, more. They, they, they pretty much do after that. Yeah, yeah. As he get the, he's got the blood fist, and then it's just like roll credits right after that. Let's let's go home, and then we never see Nancy again <laughs> throughout the rest of the eight movies. <laughs> but okay, so before we get to the final fight, uh, <laughs> we have to talk briefly about uh, Billy Blanks. Uh, we talked about him a little bit, obviously, on the way. Uh, on the way through there, he looks really strange with that hair. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. I mean, he just looks weird with hair now. Like, you know, I, and it's weird too because, you know, I started watching Billy Blank's movies uh, as, as a kid, so I should be used to him with hair. But, like, you know, after he reinvented himself as the creator of Taibo, you know, and it's like, he became a phenomenon after that. It's like now you you, you watch these movies in in, in hindsight, in retrospect, and it's like you look weird now. Like you know, with your hair. Like I mean, you you say that. Have you ever seen his hairdo in TC two thousand? Uh, like he he's got like a like like almost like a lightning bolt kind of thing cut into the back of his head. But like, I don't think that was intentional. Like, they just try to give him a a futuristic haircut, and it's kind of like like it's kind of like a, a lightning bolt tail in the back. Like, I literally was watching one of the fight scenes from it on YouTube, and one of the comments was, "Yo, who cut blood's hair like this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went and looked that up because I did not remember that hair. But wow, yeah, yeah, he he's definitely one of those guys who should have embraced the shaved head a lot sooner because that yeah. uh that high box fade he's got just it just don't work i was just it, gonna ask what would you call that hairdo it, 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 2000 it, yeah 
It's like yeah, it's it's um and here he's got like a like a jerry curl kind of like 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 high top, you know. And TC two thousand, I don't know what the fuck you call that. That's just <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> This is why you gotta be nice to the hairdresser on set because if you're not, they <laughs> do that to your head. I, I guess they thought like like, hey, it's the future. Like you know, th- this looks this might be a, like a future haircut. We'll do that, and it's like you did you did homeboy all wrong that one. Like like like, and it's, that's not even the worst haircut in the movie. You should see what they did to Bolo's haircut in that movie. Like like oh. like. Like they they did him dirty like his hairline it's all the way pushed back so they give him like a like a five head and it's just like Jesus Christ like what was what was y'all thinking is, is, well at least they have Bobby Phillips in the movie her hair was glorious so it's all oh man they 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 did him so dirty that that poor man he yeah they definitely didn't like him because wow that's bad. I can't stop looking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jake getting arrested. Uh, let's leave Billy Blanks' hair alone for a moment. I thought that was a really good fight between him and Jake. By the way, I mm. thought it was a really good, uh, good, really good showcase for both of them. Um, but then we get uh, Baby's final fight versus Chin Wu, and I thought that one worked out really well. Yeah, see a lot of Chin Wu stomping people to death. Which they're at least attempting to misdirect you for over who killed uh, the brother in the beginning because of when he got stomped to death. Um, but the thing that stuck out most is Jake randomly getting arrested. Now, yeah, we've made some or I've made some jokes about, you know, paying off the right people in the Philippines. Did Kwong pay off the police to get Jake arrested so he could arrange the whole break you out of jail thing? I think that seems to be the implication, you know, you know, because it was like he 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 wants Jake to trust him. Like, oh, I broke you out of jail, so it's like obviously I'm on your side. But it's like you went to a lot of trouble just for that, you know, to pay off police to arrest a guy so you could break him out of jail just so he could trust you, you know, because it's like I mean. This this man was dumb enough to follow you and let let you train him at, and he he obviously killed your uh, his brother and like it, I mean it's obvious to us you know what I'm saying it's like they try to make it seem like it was Chin Wu but it's like um, the man who killed uh, his brother had a full head of hair Chin Wu does not uh, Chin Wu is like at least fifty pounds heavier than the man we seen in the beginning killing Jake's brother um, this is obviously not the same guy. Uh, I, I I don't know why they thought that 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 would be like uh, that would work for us as an audience. But it's just like we have eyes, we can see this is horseshit. <laughs> you know? Like I, as much as I love this movie, even I can admit this is a, a hunk of horseshit that they're trying to pass off to us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to make us believe that uh, the, like the the Jake's brother's uh, killer. And Chin Wu are the same person, and clearly it's not. And it's like the, the minute we see Kwong, it's like, yo, this is the guy. The minute there's no question about it. 
Why? Because we've seen movies before, <laughs> you know, and we know how this shit works. <laughs> so this is the guy. So we're just waiting for Jake to figure this out. And it just makes Jake seem like a dumbass for, throughout the duration of the movie. So it's like, uh, uh, Jake, 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 you, you, you stupid, stupid man. <laughs> you stupid, pretty, oily man. Mm-hmm. But no. then Hal comes in and changes yeah, everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, he does. How did you guys feel about Hal? Just I like Hal. Up being the most Canadian person who's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hal. I like I like Hal. Like for the five minutes he's actually in the movie. Um I I do think it's hilarious though, uh when he's trying to communicate to Jake about uh, like, oh, I know this guy. But he's saying that through, through the entirety of like, the final fight when Jake is just on the mat like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm drugged because I ate a drug mango. Oh, what's going on? And then you just hear, I know this guy. I know him from back in the day. He's the snake. He's a fight fixer. And it's like it's a whole, he's having a whole conversation with Jake. And he's like in the nosebleed section of the fucking the auditorium that they're in while they're watching the fight. And, and Jake's just like, oh, 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 okay, okay, yeah. I hear you perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm gonna go fight this guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm beat him. And then I'm gonna go kill Kwong, and then everything's gonna be all right. And it's like, uh. I love this movie for <laughs> the simple fact that it's other horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hal definitely looks like the kind of guy who has uh, escaped to the Philippines before to avoid various charges on various things. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to figure out what kind of drug it could possibly be to make you woozy and also focus on something. It's like a weird version of like Rufy Adderall that he injected into this mango. <laughs> Where, like, I can't, I have no idea what it was supposed to be. Or, I mean, it of, you know, a movie magic drug, clearly. But do you think the mango thing is just because the Philippine Tourism Board was like, yeah, sure, you can make our movie. Just let people know how great our mangoes are. Even <laughs> if they're full of heroin or this, you know, Rufi Adderall, you're going to want to eat them. Yeah, it's weird because, like, like obviously it was it was meant to like weaken Jake to fix the fight, but then it's like it only works for half the time because Jake is all like, uh, uh then all of a sudden it stopped working, and then now Jake is a badass again and he kicks shit out of Chin Wu. And it's like like was this your intention all along? Because like if if you meant to weaken him so he'd lose, you kind of fucked up there, buddy, because uh it, it didn't work and it like it worked for two minutes, and then Jake is back to his regular self. And he, I guess it was just like the the the, the power of revenge. Where it's just like, oh, um, yeah, That's forget it. all, yeah, forget all, forget the fact that I was just drugged horribly. Like you know, I, I want revenge, and I'm going to kick the shit out of this guy. And especially the fact that I just caused this woman's death. So like you know, I'm in a furious rage now. So I'm just going to beat this guy to death and and rip his uh his little earring out and then hold it in my hand. So now I'm, I'm the titular character of the blood fist, you know, in front of everyone. (laughs) 
how did you guys feel about that that final fight with Chin Wu? How did how did you feel about like when everything turned red? I thought that was like a very cool like I thought it was a very cool looking fight, and I really liked the kind of drug effects that we get with Jake at least at the early part of the fight because it gave it a really weird like nightmare quality that kind of worked mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I like yet. the camera angles too. So we're seeing Chin Wu from uh from Jake's perspective, which I think I don't think they did that in any of the other fights. Um but I mean Chin Wu was punching in slow motion, but that added to the whole nightmare red drugged up dream sequence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jake wins the fight. He gets the titular blood fist, and now he's going to chase after Kwong. And we get to our last final fight with Kwong. So my question is, they they get out to that that kind of platform garden area, and it's just become the biggest rainstorm that anyone has ever seen. Now, my question is, it's Roger Corman. Do you think they filmed in the Philippines because they knew it was going to rain because it's the rainy season? Do you think he actually brought in a rain machine or do you think he just paid someone like 50 bucks to, to uh, open up a couple of fire hydrants and, and spray them in the general area of everyone? The, yeah. The, the, the last one, um, because it, it, if, if you listen, it's a thunderstorm, but you never see uh, any lightning. It, there's not even any like white flashes to signify that there's lightning striking. You just hear the thunder and then that's it. it like he, he couldn't even afford the lights to <laughs> to make it seem like there's there's lightning flashing in the background it's, you just hear douche and then that's it and it's just like you know this this the, the sprinkler system just showering all over uh donna dragon wilson and guang <laughs> do you think the um the sprinkler system was enough to wash off the top layer of, of body grease, or do you think the grease is pretty waterproof? Uh, maybe. Um, oh, he's like a waxed car. You could see it beating. Ah, yeah. yeah. That's, that yeah. was my first thought. It does look like he does look kind of like a waxed car. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very cool look, and I think it's a very cool uh, final fight. Uh, no, yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. It's like that's, that's, that's another thing I like about the movie, is that um, it, it's it's essentially blood sport, but the ending is: what if Sensei Tanaka was the actual bad guy, and like Frank Dukes had to fight Sensei Tanaka Hishidoshi at the end of the movie? And it's like, oh, it's blood sport, but with a twist. And, and, you know what I'm saying? And and it, it's 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 a very atmospheric fight. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, like there, you don't see any lightning in the background, but the, the the rain is a cool effect. And when they go into the same like like little alleyway where um, uh, Jake's brother died at, which essentially set off the, the the plot of the movie, it's a nice like you know coming full circle thing. Especially when he kicks Kwong on to to to, to the to like whatever they were the Chekhov's, fence. Chekhov's fence. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like you knew that. Like once they showed up in the final fight, like oh, somebody's getting impaled. Um, and then uh, I love Kwong's final line. It's like, "I taught you well." And then I'm dead. And then it's just like you know, 
my man walks off, you know, into the to the night sky to to hug his gal, and then they walk off, and you know, what I'm saying it, it, it's just a really cool sequence. You know, what I'm saying probably like out of all the fight scenes, that's probably my favorite one of the movies. The final one between Jake and Kwong. You have any thoughts, Lindsay? I didn't think we'd have to wait until the very end of the movie to see someone get impaled on that um, a fence post, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but I did. I liked the use of it. I liked, I mean, it's a late 80s movie. You have to have a fight scene in the rain. I'm pretty sure that's a law. It might be in the Geneva Convention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so they made it happen whether it was by fire hydrant rainy season or a bunch of guys with buckets it happened so always always appreciate that i have a question because we talked about it a lot and also not having seen it so is is blood fist like fan fiction for blood sport Like this is what would happen if that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I I lean more towards it's just a blatant ripoff. Okay. But um that isn't well fan fiction is a nice way of ripping something off, I guess. Yeah, now that you mentioned it like fifty shades of gray versus twilight or whatever. Right. That that kind of you know, I think you're onto something there. Fan I, fiction is how that. you rip something off but make money doing it. Yeah, it's ripping something off because you love it, not just ripping something off because it's easy to rip off. Right. But we yes. get our good final fight, we get our good final moment, and now I think we are heading into the final moment of our podcast because there's a metal fence behind me that I'm going to impale myself on later. All right, here we are at the point of the show where we give our final thoughts, recommendations, and our popcorn ratings. For those of you that don't know, we rate on a scale... From extra small to extra large popcorn, you can add any kind of flavoring, extra butter, dry, burnt, any kind of uh, superlatives you'd like to add to your popcorn, you can do that. And Rob, as the guest of the show, you can lead us off with your final thoughts, recommendations, and your popcorn rating. Uh, Yes, I highly recommend Blood Fist. Not just Blood Fist 1, but the entire series, because... It is the quintessential 90s action franchise. Uh, I've, I've actually considered writing a book on it, uh, considering I am the Blood Fist guy now. So it's like, I might as well. Um, it, it, it's just damn fun. Like, you know, all things considered, it's a damn fun movie. Um, great showcase for the, the greatness that is Don the Dragon Wilson. As well as uh, Billy Blanks and, and everybody else in the movie, um, and uh, it's just I, I have a, an immense amount of fun every time I watch it, and I watch it regularly. As I said, I'm the Blood Fist guy, um, and just the entire franchise overall. You know, it's just Don Dragon Wilson is king to me. You know what I'm saying? So like, I always. Um, I, I am I am the pastor at his church, um, the Church of Don the Dragon Wilson, the Church of the Dragon, um, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way because uh, 
as I've as I've said during this discussion, Don Dragon Wilson was my guy, and he continuously held me down when uh, I was, uh, you know, alone at home on Friday nights, you know, looking for the the, the next uh, action movie, and it, Don was always there. So it's like, yeah, you get a full recommendation from me for 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 all things Blood Fist. And um, as far as rating goes, like, oh, yeah, the biggest tub of popcorn with uh, all the butter, all the salt. It's just like uh, also um, uh, uh, a large Sprite with no ice and a, and, and, a, and a pack of Twizzlers to go with it. <laughs> nice. That is the highest recommendation I think I've ever heard on the show. I think they will correct me if that's different. But... <laughs> I've never heard someone... Add candy. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I, it may have happened. I've heard people add, I, like I've added candy, but I've never yeah. added a drink, and I think that's been that's that was a bit was my big error. Uh, what, are, <laughs> what are your final thoughts recommendations of your popcorn rating? Oh man. Um, final thoughts. I I feel I feel cheated out. I feel like I feel like my childhood was cheated um, because this was such a huge hole in my movie consumption in the 80s and 90s. And I'm a little sad that this is the first time that I've ever seen Blood Fist or a Don the Dragon film, period. So I'll have to remedy that. Thank you guys for suggesting it. Uh, I I definitely appreciate it. I will uh, be uh, making my uh, my Brian watch this. He didn't join me on the adventure this time. <laughs> um, but I I think I think I'll be diving into the archives as well. So all of that said, I I'm a little. I'm a little torn, but I think I think I'm gonna go putting everything into perspective. I think I'm gonna go with a large popcorn on this one. It really has everything you want in a movie of this genre from this era. And that's it. That's all I have to say. I'll be watching it again and going back and watching the other blood fists too. Thank you. Thank you for introducing me, boys. Yeah. Uh, just just to point out that Tubi, the, the the great streaming service Tubi, has the largest collection of Don Dragon movies. There's like 21, 22 movies of his on there. Um, it doesn't have, for some reason, the complete Bloodfish series as one through three and four through no it's six to eight. Uh, it doesn't have four and five, which I find strange. But YouTube has four and five. Um, I remember I, I mentioned that to Ron. Uh, he's like, I haven't seen the blood. Like, you know, I'm saying Tubi has most of them, but not all of them. But YouTube has four and five. So uh YouTube has you covered on that front. But uh, yes, Tubi has the largest collection of his movies, and uh that's why I always pledge allegiance to Tubi. Um <laughs> like it's like it's, I saw Ron, you we shared my meme that I made. <laughs> yeah <laughs> with Netflix and it's like Don Dragon Wilson friends Tubi. And it's like yeah, baby. Yeah, the two of you will always be my favorite because it's just like I feel like watching Don the Wilson, Don Dragon Wilson today. Let's head over to Tubi, baby. <laughs> they got me covered. 
Tubi's the best. A lot um, of what we review is on Tubi. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's, great, great service. And if it's not, we need to have second thoughts about whether or not it's worth us watching it. <laughs> <laughs> All the best things are on Tubi. Uh, but yeah, my final thoughts are it has been entirely too long since I've watched Blood Fist. I don't know why I waited so long to do it. I'm kicking myself for not having watched it more. And uh, when I get done with uh, the feature I'm working on, which ties back into our brief touch on Schwarzenegger, uh, I will be definitely going down the Don the Dragon Wilson rabbit hole and and wearing out uh, my 2B subscription to um, make it... Uh, yeah, to really just make it complete. I think I'm going to watch every Blood Fist movie. I think it's time to just do it all, do them all again. But yeah, I'm going to go with an extra large popcorn. I've got no complaints about this movie. It is a crazy blast. It is a lot of fun. It's a very specific movie about a very specific time in world culture, but it is a great time. And you get to see some of the best fighters who have ever fought do their thing on screen and that is hard to pass up at, absolutely at the, at the peak or near peak of their their fighting powers so yeah 100 percent extra large popcorn love this movie had a great time should have watched it quicker now rob you have extolled the virtues of don the dragon wilson on this podcast and now we'll give you a chance to plug your various things what you got going on of course uh you could find like i uh, unfortunately, because of my work schedule, I could like I I had you could have been a Bloodfest movie podcast, and also have uh the Chainsaws and Clothes podcast that I do with a uh, a great friend uh the the, the wonderful uh Patrick Bartlett, a great Patrick Vicious, um and because of my work schedule, it, it it had to be one and the other, and I chose Chainsaws and Claws because Patrick is always there, um. So I decided to reinvent the podcast as a website. Uh, you could have been a bloodfistmovie.com where uh, I, you know, basically celebrate everything Bloodfist and Don the Dragon Wilson, but also review action films that uh, continue to the tradition of the Bloodfist movies. And I try to decipher whether or not they could have been a Bloodfist movie. So uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing that. And uh, yes, uh, you could have been a bloodfistmovie.com. That title is very, that website uh, URL is very, very long. I understand. Uh, in retrospect, I probably should have chose something else, but I love that title. So that's why I kept it. Um, you can also find uh, the official Twitter for that at UCBABM. Uh, I've changed it many times and I decided to go with that because, you know, it's just like, like, yeah, it's the shortest version, but uh, it's still a lot of letters <laughs> in that at. Um, and also, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Chainsaws and Claws, uh, as well as Chainsaws Claws on Twitter and Instagram and wherever uh, you are on social media. And yeah, those are those are those are my two things that I got going on for me, and uh, I'm loving both of them, and uh, having a great time. And thank you for allowing me to come on here and and, and spew my uh, my love for Don Dragon Wilson and Blood Fist. I really appreciate it. Um, and it was just you know, great to, to to come on and and talk to you again, Ron. It's been a while since seeing me talk, and uh, it was great talking to Lindsay for the first time. Um, had a, had a great time. Um, 
wish we could have got Jay in here, but um, he, he decided not to share his sexy voice with the world um, at the moment, but I understand. But um, Yes, yes, I, I really appreciate this, and, and thank you for allowing me to join in the, the festivities of uh, Don Dragon Wilson and Bloodfist. Uh, I actually just got screeners last week for uh, the new uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger show. By the time this podcast hits, it my feature article should be done about it, and I'll link it on all the socials. And I'll, in addition, I'll link to Rob's various socials and all that good stuff, um, as well from the show's Twitter account. But uh, yeah, speaking of the show's Twitter account, you can follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, mastodon all the other things we i signed up for at film strip pod on pretty much all the potential twitter replacements i could get access to and when i get access to blue sky or sky blue or whatever the hell the name of it is i'll do it on there too there you can find announcements about upcoming shows and a link to our letterbox page which contains our entire list of reviews which will be getting updated and refreshed as soon as i get some time go to filmstrippodcast.com to check out the link to our anchor.fm distribution site you can find it, or you can find us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, Google, all those various things. Wherever fine pods are casted, you can find our podcast. Please share the show, and if you can, leave us a positive review as it helps other people find the podcast. For Lindsay, special guest Rob, thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.